Rob. Carrie. Hey, girl. Who are we? Um, duh. The screaming divas. <laughs> Hello. Paris in lockdown and still in the dang woods, people. <laughs> this, oh, wait. Is this over yet? Over yet. No. Nope. But you know what? The cool thing is that we're still able to talk to a lot of awesome people. And who did we talk to today? Tammy Wilson. Yes, Tamara Wilson. Tamara Wilson. Amazing, amazing, extremely talented uh, human being. Wonderful yeah. soprano voice. Totally versatile with her repertoire choices. She has stood on some big opera house stages, people, and really, truly on the brink of a superstardom career when the pandemic hit. Yep. She was looking at a, at a season that was really going to be setting her into the, like, the stellar cast everything and then one by one she saw each job canceled as we all have but yeah. for her i think it was a little more personal in a way because she was really just about to take that next step into superstardom and the rug was just pulled out from underneath her so but the good news is that a lot of those jobs or are, are going to happen and so it's mainly just a matter of time and holding on and uh, making sure you know your traps are still good and your stamina is still good and we talked a lot about that so um, it was super fun to catch up with her and find out how she's doing in Houston, Texas. We love her. We love her. Hey. We have a great clip. Great Woo. clip. Here it is. Ding. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. See y'all. See y'all soon. See y'all soon. Bye. You could probably sing Wagner, but your body and your physical this has to be ready to sing Wagner because it's it's building different muscles. Okay, so how in the world do you come out of a pandemic singing Wagner when every singer we've talked to has talked about this, how difficult the stamina is to get back into? I mean, six hours of rehearsal. Now, there's not enough practicing in your house you can do to get that stamina back. There's not enough practicing, nor is there enough like um, will. <laughs> Speak the truth, girl. Speak the truth. I'm um, right there with you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Like, just looking at practicing, I just go, what's the point? Um, <laughs> is there another version of Shit's Creek on? Because I really want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs>my god it's been so long it's been really long no. i mean my goodness years probably um torn dot at coc oh yes turn dot during our fish called wanda <laughs> salka lord mercy <laughs> oh my god. how you doing yeah i'm good i'm home in houston um i've been here since um canada i was when the pandemic started, uh, I was in Toronto and then, yeah, I've been home and it's been really nice. <laughs> we have lots to talk about home from all your social media awesomeness that I've been seeing, which is really super cool. Cause we need to talk about that side of Tamara Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> have you been singing at all? Um, I've done a few recitals and then I did, uh, we recorded uh, selections from uh, Chicago Lyrics Attila. 
Oh, I you were in the Attila with yeah. Christian Van Horn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we never saw anybody. We we all recorded separately. And then we had earbuds in to do uh, like one of the quartets. And uh, so we had a piano track and we just recorded our own thing. So that's that was crazy. I know, right? Welcome to it's 20. What Beardy wanted. It's how he intended it to sound. Of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh he wanted people to be on stage interacting with each other and saying, yeah. I hate you. I love you. And I don't know who you are, but yeah, I hate you. <laughs> You're imaginary. You're not here. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, you got to sing. Exactly. Right? It was nice. That's And it was the other thing I did was. We recorded for um, Oculus, for like virtual reality, um, some Fidelio arias with Washington National. Oh yeah. And that was, that was cool. I have no idea when that's gonna be done already. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. They built mini sets, mm-hmm. full rooms that we had to stay in and the camera, like 360 degree camera was in there. And we just kind of, it felt like a movie set. It was, it was really cool. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Wait, well, sorry. What? Was that the Abshaw Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. And then Russell Thomas um, did Floristan's Aria. Yay. Love Russell. Okay. But when you said 360, there's part of me that like kind of started hyperventilating. I was like, um, are you going to get my back fat in that? Cause I don't want that in that video. <laughs> yeah like literally the viewer can go anywhere in the space while you're singing yeah it's really i know cheska talked to me about this whole project and i thought that's really cool yeah that's okay did you get to choose what you wear or did they have an outfit for costume oh oh, okay and then um it was it was set modern ish day or like any period kind of feel cool. okay so it was really cash and easy but it was super fun so yeah. i'm going to be able to go and listen to this or watch this and be able to interact with interact like a video game I have a virtual reality headset wow that's oh, pretty right. cool that, talk about bringing that into the 2021 hello right yeah um you could not get a more front row seat if you tried Actually, that's cool. I, I really want to see that. So it took a pandemic to have opera come into the modern age. Into a video game. <laughs> yes. Opera, the video game. But that's kind of cool. Uh, okay. So what so what's next for you or what won't be next for you? Um let's see. I've got some other recitals like I have stuff that's sort of still planned this spring but we're still in the who knows land right totally people are still getting vaccinated um and then things are happening in the fall I just can't talk okay. about it yet. you know that kind of thing but are they re- I mean like I just had a girlfriend just text me and she's like well I just lost that job in the fall and it was it's here in the states that it was just canceled so and none of the contracts I don't know if your contracts for fall are actually on paper but um I mean it's like you're asked but are, is it really going to happen or not going to happen nobody really knows yeah that's the thing mm-hmm. yeah you are in both of our opinions mm-hmm. at the brink of superstardom 
superstar superstar career and you were just ramping up to it and then pandemic came yeah i was it was going to be a really exciting year for me um not gonna lie i was gearing up for my first isolda and it was like prime conditions to do it because it you know it's santa fe it's you know it's not huge huge pressure but it's still like here's how you can try the biggest Wagner sing ever um yeah and then it just kind of all that two years of hard work kind of just evaporated not really because you know that work will it's coming down the line mm-hmm. but, um yeah it felt like I had the the rug kind of pulled out from under me a little bit mm-hmm. but at the same time I was so worried about it because it is such a big like <laughs> put you out here at a different um level because I've been in Verdi land for so long um and it would have been my first staged Wagner mm-hmm. um I've done like snippets in concert but this would have been like the first thing right and I got I, I, I got in my head about it right because it's like well, if you're going to try this role, it better be good kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of when it, when it just went away, I was like, well, there's a little bit of pressure at least. Yeah, but still you plan, people don't know that, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, well, it's Tuesday. I'm going to go sing Isolde in Santa Fe. I mean, your, your managers and you, we as singers, we plan our careers. We plan years and years in advance the right place with the right cast with the right mm-hmm. conductor mm-hmm. the right time and the right pieces before it and after it and you know it's a perfect little puzzle and now your rubik's cube has just been all like mixed up again showing that, my and i got i got like an offer to do it somewhere else and i was like no it's it's not the right you know way for me to do it gotcha. um, because I can practice it at home. I can coach it. Mm-hmm. I can work on it with a teacher. When you're actually performing that role and doing the marathon that it is, you need to know how you function well doing it in all conditions. And that that was going to be, Santa Fe was going to be my test. Because <laughs> you, know? yeah. you don't know how to perform it till you're with an orchestra. So, what, how, so how do you move on from that? Like, how do you yes. mentally... Career-wise, everything, move on from that. Well, I, I look at things this way. I've always kind of looked at things this way. If things fall through or change, they changed for a very specific reason. The universe was saying, hey, this is not your right time to do this. Um, so whenever I do it next will be the right time. Cool. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, plus, I was working a lot right before and I had kind of lost that love of it for a little bit you know love of the music Mm -hmm. and that when the pandemic hit I I didn't sing for like three months when it first happened and I don't I it was a little bit of sadness from you know a little bit of depression just from like uncertainty about the future Mm -hmm. That was mostly, I was like, are we going to have an industry after this? It was more right. that. Right. Um, and I had always told myself, like, 
oh, if I stop singing, it's fine. Cause I love teaching and I'm going to teach no matter what is okay. my main goals. So I was like, oh, I could do that. And when the pandemic hit, it was the first time I was like, I'm not done singing. You can't tell me I'm done singing. And it was the first time I was really like adamant that like, no, this is my love. This is my passion. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I probably wouldn't have had that if I was like, keep it working, keep it working. Right. Um, So yeah, there's been like good things about it and bad things about it, but um, I'm in a better place about it now because now I'm appreciating what I do. Absolutely. Right. So for someone like you in the position that you are in, in the opera business, do you think that it's more like your career just hit a pause? And then when we are able to be back in all of those wonderful opportunities that not only had happened, but were coming again, or we're moving into even bigger things worldwide, is that all just getting pushed back into 2022 through five or whatever it is? Yeah. And okay. I think that's kind of why I'm I'm not as worried. I'm still worried about just our economy and how everything's going to work out. Right. But um, yeah, I've, I've been very lucky to have some um, intendants and um, CEOs in my corner mm-hmm. who have supported me since like I was 23. Right. So I, they, they were like, you know, we, we have to cancel this, but here's what we're going to do down the road. And so I've, I've actually been very lucky in that fact. Cool. Um, and you know, if not studio, here I come. (laughs) I'd walk in there. Hello. May I have a lesson, please? When I heard your, um, turned on and how even that was from the top of the bottom of your voice, I was like, damn girl, that was like a masterclass in technique. That was amazing. Congrats on that. I loved singing that. It was fun. You could tell. Well, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about dramatic voices, because mm-hmm. I have a question from the kids here in the academy in, in Paris. One girl in particular um, wants to know, you know, how do you go between the German and the Italian repertoire? And also, when did you really feel ready to do the dramatic repertoire? Because dramatic voices, you know, they're a different animal. Which it is totally different. Cook. Um, I, when I first started singing, I was singing mostly like, I'm talking about college, mostly Baroque music and chorus, chorus stuff. Um, I was, you know, a lighter singer and I did Mozart. Like that's, that's what I did. And then I got hired at HGO and, um, Patrick Summers, the conductor there was like, Hey, look at, um, Lucia. And I was like, are you insane? (laughs) Um, and then like other stuff they would say, you know, like look at Balo. And again, I was like, that's not my voice. I don't, just because I'm a big girl and tall doesn't mean I have a big voice kind of a thing. And I was, I almost said raised. <laughs> um, I was taught by my teacher to be very, um, don't sing bigger than your britches. You know, make sure it's all about resonance, mm-hmm. clear tone, easy production and pure vowels. Like that's what my technique was. And I just happened to get into the Verity world because somebody dropped out of a show and HGO gave me a really big chance. Like it could have, I could have like crashed and burned. Like it was a big gamble. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So when my career started, my first big role was Balo. And then my next show after that, I was going to do First Lady and I was covering Constanza. Okay. The from that got sick. So I went on for the role of Constanza for five performances. Whoa. So exactly. Whoa. So my Whoa. first auditions out of the gate were, you know, I sang Martin Alarten and um, Ecolo Rito Campo. So it was like, my auditions were half hours long. Yeah. Jeez. And people on the panels were always like, yeah, please go ahead and try to sing both of those. And I was like, okay. that's what I did. There you go. And, yeah. And, you know, um, I probably wouldn't sing Constanza again, but I can still sing it, but I wouldn't be cast as it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you did Norma. Huh? Hmm? You did Norma, right? Yeah, did Norma. That was my first one when I met you in person for the first time. Oh my God. Sitting backstage watching you sing that role. I was like, how did she get so much sound? <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. You did an amazing job. Oh, that, was a that, was, that was a bad time for me. Like I had a death in the family and I, I was in a bad way during that show. So that's all I remember about that show was like making it through it. Isn't that crazy how when life throws our personal lives throw whammies at you like that and really in those moments I've had people come up to me later I'm like oh it's so nice to meet you they're like we met you like we, I worked with you I was like what and then I realized what I was going through during that time and I, I apologize profusely but I'm so sorry I was going through really shitty time and I didn't you know you just are focusing on job 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 I can't deal with the rest yeah exactly you kind of compartmentalize and get into that vein and then whatever yeah but, so sorry sorry tangent um hey listen repertoire yeah started doing i think my first strauss role was kaiserin in frau nashan so so here's the thing every repertoire thing or composer i did like my first Puccini was Turandot. Exactly. So when people are like, oh, getting into Wagner is um, like some big thing. It's, I, I've been training for it slowly. Right. The whole time. Okay. But like my version of Wagner is gonna be probably a little bit more lyrical than like, Nina Stemma is a different beast. Right. You know, that's a totally different Wagner. Um, but I've been building the stamina all, all this time. Do you use the same technique? This is this was the other question from them. I use the same technique, except I have a more open throat feeling because of the German vowels. Okay. That's that's okay. basically what it is. So, so you, there we go. So do you agree with this statement? I, you know, I've known Marilyn Horn since I was in college and uh, had a relationship with her. She knows my voice really well. And she always had said, you're going to sing this Wagner repertoire. I said, you're out of your mind. I've been telling everybody that for years, but, um, and you're kind of making me change my mind. Maybe I should, maybe I should be a little bit more brave like you are. And you know, your first Puccini was torn dot girl, Lord have mercy. Um, anyway, but, <laughs> but with the Wagnerian, she said, just always promise me that it'll be like in a way like Lottie Lehmann, like you approach the Wagner, just like you approach with your Italian, those long, beautiful, 
uh, phrases always. And I don't care what anybody tells you, you sing it like that. Do you agree with that or? I, I do. Um, I think if you look at somebody like um, Bertrand Meyer and yes. people like that, it's, it's not, it's not like a Birgit Nielsen where it's so in your face, mm -hmm. but it's still like you're cutting over. It, it's not about width or breadth of the voice, I'll say. It's about cut when you're with that orchestra. Yep. And I, I think there's a misconception for teaching young, bigger voices nowadays that it has to be some kind of wall of sound. Um, who, who was it? I, I did um, Ariadne with um, Andrea Schlager. And when I heard that voice, that was the first time I was like, oh, okay. That's a Wagner voice. That's okay. insane. Cause he like the way he cuts, yeah. Huge. Huge. He was like, oh, I got my start in um operetta. And he did, like, he literally, he was an operetta tenor. And I love I, that. Yeah, but because he was performing more often, mm -hmm. um, he was probably a bit more physical in shows than other opera productions. Mm -hmm. um, so you're building up your body to get ready for Wagner. That's the thing. It's like, you could probably sing Wagner, but your body and your physicalness has to be ready to sing Wagner because it's, it's building different muscles. Okay, so how in the world do you come out of a pandemic singing Wagner when every singer we've talked to has talked about this, how difficult the stamina is to get back into? I mean, six hours of rehearsal. Now, there's not enough practicing in your house you can do to get that stamina back. There's not enough practicing, nor is there enough like um, will. <laughs> speak the truth, girl. Speak the truth. I'm um, right here with you. Yeah. Oh gosh, like just looking at practicing, I just go, what's the point? Um, <laughs> is there another version of Shit's Creek on? Because I really want to watch that. <laughs> Get another thing canceled. Yeah, like, and that's why I said no to that other result because it would have been coming out of this. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing I could do on the planet. Not know how I do it. And then right. try yeah. to do it. No. Um, so. Yeah, how do you get that stamina back? I tend to think, well, I would say probably building back in to your schedule, if it's possible, roles that you've done that you know and are comfortable so that you can do something that is already in your wheelhouse. So you can test where you're at. Yeah. And then um, I know it's weird, but I go on walks and kind of like, and sing a little bit while I'm walking. Yeah. Cause then it, A, it takes my mind off of um, being perfect or whatever. It's mm -hmm. just get it in your body. And it's one of those things where if you can do it while you're moving, your body is going to build up to it. Yeah. Like doing that recording for the Fidelio, I was singing it like in our musical rehearsals, totally fine. Mm -hmm. 
And then we get to filming it and we're filming it. I think I sang it seven or eight times in a row that day. It was like a full day of shooting. Whoa. And like, I'm moving all around the set. I'm changing, I'm putting stuff on. I'm like getting a gun out drawers. Like I'm writing stuff down. There was a lot of business, okay. which was awesome for like actual acting and doing stuff in a scene. Like that was fantastic. Cool. But, you know, I had two days to do it. So my body wasn't ready to like pace it, you know? So I'd always get to the end and I'd have to breathe after the last note. Ba -da -da, bum bum, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Right. And, you know, I would never do that in performance because you're, you're in the whole show, you're revving up for it. But like, you just it, try to go into a dressing room try on 20 different pairs of clothes and then try to sing a phrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know what? We all have to give ourselves a bit of a break right now too. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that, that perfection that we have worked so hard for up until a year ago, I mean, we have to, I think we have to be kind to ourselves and, and you touched on something I want to talk about where you say that the tenor that you did the Ariadne with, had that point in it. And that is so key because I, I teach master classes, not probably like you teaching lessons, but I always say to them, be more economic and wise, you know, work, uh, don't work harder, work smarter, you know? And if you put that point on the voice, that carries in the opera house. Oh, totally. Yeah, all you're doing is making sure the frequency it, what your sound is moving through the air mm -hmm. gets to ears. Yeah. That's all Perfect. it is. Yeah. And um, because orchestras are different frequencies than you, mm -hmm. we can do that. That's why it's, you know, 80 versus one. Um, uh, but yeah, he had this, like if you were right next to him, it hurt your ears. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was that kind of singing, but it was still beautiful, which I, I was amazed to find because tenors are trained differently now, I think, than they used to be. Hmm. And he had that classical, like his technique was amazing. You'd never see him breathe. He had no tension. It was just like, he was in his body and he was confident and happy. And I was like, are you sure you're a tenor? <laughs> this baritone with really really high notes uh-huh um, well you know a lot of them started that way too you know yeah, yeah. especially I, the Wagnerians yeah I think you have to be careful with I think you have oh sorry go ahead no you're good I think you have to be careful though when you talk about point on the voice because I think that some young singers take that as into like, I'm going to sing like this. And then you shut down the back and all the color's gone. All of a sudden it's like, instead of this, right. sorry, instead of this, it's just, it's only that. And I, and I, I think you have to watch that. I always tell students to go to the extremes when they're trying to find their perfect resonant point, go back as far as you can, go forward as far as you can, find a middle ground. When I'm, when I'm finding my spot, Mm -hmm. I always feel a buzz right where that uh, hard bone of your hard palate meets your soft palate. That's where I feel it. Okay. And then I make sure my soft palate is as high 
because it can be for the color. Right. And then I make sure, I don't like mask singing. I think it gives young students um, a place to put something. Yes. And so it's a false positive, should we put it that way? Because you can still sing it, you can still make the sound. Yeah. But it makes it so if something is not being sung on the breath, it gets stuck and you can't do anything about it. And that's when it has to force into your nose because you can't, you have nowhere to go. Or, or they grab. Yeah. 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 Look yeah. at us, we're like, yep, yep, yep. We're like, yep, been there, done that. <laughs> And when you teach with kids now, I've been working with the kids here for a couple of days in Paris and you're like, oh yeah, I used to do that. Oh yeah, I used to do that. Oh yeah. And they're like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. So All of us did the bad things. I don't think they believe that, you know, like, oh, you're a saunter, but like, let me tell you. This person did it and this person did it. We, we all have done it. So, you know, you just got to work through it and, and you're right. Find it, find it yourself. Yeah, because it's different for everybody. You know, your resonance spot is going to feel different to you than it is to someone else. That's why the best teachers approach it from 10 different ways, you know, that they know how to explain this in 10 different ways for 10 different brains. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. you have visual learners, you have metaphoric learners, you have ones who are like really want to know where their, you know, larynx is. Yeah. Some want to just feel it, some by, go sens by sensation and some go by listening and, you know, you just have to figure out which one works for you. But if you go by listening and you go in a different acoustic, that's always a bit dangerous, <gasps> you know? Do you guys have, like, I have a house where it's like, I could feel like I could sing anything in it. Mm -hmm. Mine is like the, it's, you know, the Coliseum. I love that theater with a passion. If I could sing everything there, I'd be so happy. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny how big voices like those good acoustics too, isn't it? I, well, yeah, because I like hearing something back. Because yeah. to me, everything close to me sounds really fuzzy. Yes. So I like having a little bit of reverb back so I can check in to know that my ring is going where I want it to go. Okay, but the worst is when you're rehearsing and maybe maximum you've had 100, 500 people in the theater and you're still hearing the ring, 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 ring. It's the first time you've been in this theater and then all of a sudden the audience comes opening night and you walk out and sing your first whatever you're singing and then you're like, oh, sweet Jesus. Well, I don't hear anything, hello? That's, you know what I mean? That's why like I, I have always had to make sure no matter, even I love my acoustics in my house for that kind of reverb, but okay, also, what does that feel like? Because the one time that that happened to me in a theater and I freaked out because I was like, oh my God, this aria is so hard and I only know how to maneuver through it when I can hear it. Big mistake, you know, huge. It's true. So, so what one role, what, if, if right now we would say, Tammy Wilson, this role is me right now. What would that be? Not just dramatically, but vocally. Hmm. I would say to me, Kaiserin is the comfiest thing I've ever sung. And I love the music. That or Chrysotomus. Those to me right now feel really, really comfy. Like I can wake up and just sing them. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. 
That's cool. So you did all your Italian stuff. Are well, you I'm still doing it, but like it's it's different. Like those to me feel like exercise singing. I I, I can't relax in Verdi opera because I don't think you can. You no, I can't. Be, yeah, you always have to be thinking about what comes next, how you prepare this to get there. Yeah, it's always, but for some reason with the Strauss, it's all about just getting through the line. And for me, that feels like I'm sailing versus I'm the person pulling all the ropes to make sure the boat's not sinking. Love that. Great description. That's really <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I want to talk about social media. Mm. Also, because that brings into your uh, YouTube. I feel like your YouTube was however many years before the pandemic. <laughs> I started that, oh God, like at least seven or eight years ago. Yes. So my question is, A, we want to talk about social media and your thoughts on all that, but also why not revive that YouTube while you've been home during the pandemic? What made you not do it? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I started doing those YouTube videos to just bridge the gap between not knowing how an opera career works and then starting working. Because okay. as a young artist, you have the comfiness of your you know support group and then you get out there and you're just like oh I'm in charge of everything now and your managers might be helpful and they might not be mm -hmm. um so it's kind of one of those things where how do I build a career how do I function now that I don't have a regimented schedule yeah I have to create the time for me to practice. And there's so much life distraction that it's easy to not practice. Um, <laughs> me all the time. But um, yeah, so I started that and I was doing, you know, I was on the road all the time and I was singing a lot in South America and in Spain and I never took Spanish. So I, I literally was kind of just like, well, I can't talk to anybody right now. Why don't I talk to the internet? <laughs> um, okay. And so that's kind of how I started it. And then I started doing funny things because I thought it would just be fun. And it basically cured my boredom for a while. Okay. And then um, after, I must have stopped it like four years ago or something like that. Maybe yeah. more, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, I had a comment on one of my videos. I think it was like what it's like to debut at the Met. And it was like, I had a really weird going to go to the Met experience. Like I was on a plane and Michael Bolton was sitting in front of me on the plane. Exactly. And I got violently ill for some like food poisoning or whatever. So I like lived in the bathroom of the plane for like most of the ride. And so I was talking about like, that's how I got to my first rehearsal, blah, blah, blah. And it was a video about, you know, the glamorous side of opera. Hi, Michael. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so uh, some random person wrote like, nobody wants to hear about this. Nobody wants to hear about you and blah, blah, blah. And 
Boom. I usually don't take comments to heart, but that was the first one that I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Nobody does want to hear about what I do. And so it, it literally made me have anxiety to do the videos because I was trying, I was then trying to um, cultivate the videos for an imaginary person that I was, you know, afraid of. Gotcha. I was like, oh, if I say this, people are going to get mad at me for that. Like I, it, it became crushing. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just not going to do this. And it helped because I was working more and doing stuff. So I did get busy. Okay. But um, yeah, that was the main catalyst. It was, it was somebody saying that I wasn't worth it. And I'd always had inadequate feelings since I was little. So it was kind of a perfect storm of things. Um, and yeah, I was like, well, I'm not Joyce. I'm not Sandra. They don't want to hear from me. It, it was literally like that kind of, you know, and so, yeah, I stopped and I kept saying, you know, I'll try it again. I'll try it again. And there was just, I'd get to the computer or the camera and I'd just be like, oh, this is not making me happy. This is making me full of anxiety. Yeah. And don't and so do that's it. That's why I stopped. And that's also why I left Twitter and I left Instagram because okay. I was living my life to please others and not actually just listening to myself and being happy with myself. Yeah. You always, I like, I've always felt like there was pressure to like put something up, put something up. And I was like, nobody needs to see how many meals I'm cooking. <laughs> I was like, literally like yeah, I made some yummy stuff, but like, I don't need to be spending my time doing this. And the minute I got off Twitter, I was happier. Because well, I was looking at the doomsday scroll right. every morning and just being angry every morning. And um, now, like, I'm still on Facebook just to connect with people because uh, it's just easier to find us. Right. <laughs> business. Um, right. Although there's that new uh, link, sort of LinkedIn for singers. What's it called? Stage time? I don't know about this. I know about this stage time mm. oh well maybe that's a good way for singers to connect yeah, yeah it's this it's this thing this gal made and it's literally like it's professional singers and you have a little bio and you have like a main page kind of a thing and they help curate it and make it for you cool. and I think they're working on an app right now so it'll transfer over to the app eventually but it's literally all artists and performers love it yeah, I'll, I'll um, okay. look it up and send the link to you so you can, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really neat. But it's funny how social media does exactly the opposite of what I think the premise of it is for a lot of people now. And I think more and more people are finding that during the pandemic, that instead of lifting you up and making you feel better about yourself, it actually makes you feel worse. Yeah. And you're always comparing yourself or feeling inadequate. And that's, you know, if anything else in our life made us feel like that, we would definitely quit it. Yeah. But social media, we just hold on to it because 
for whatever reason, we all have different reasons, wanting to be liked, wanting to connect with people. But if it makes you feel that crappy, people, don't do it. No, I, I thought it was funny. I was telling a friend the other day, I'm like, you know, it's kind of funny that I'm making all this content and I post a, you know, stuff on there for screaming divas. And of course, like I post my, my rescue dog on there because he's hilarious to me and it, it makes me happy. But when I start scrolling through and all of a sudden, and I'm like, this is gross. I don't, I don't want to Now, if Marjorie Owens posted every day on everything. I want to see her stuff because she makes me laugh every time she posts something crazy. I mean, I love it so much. Now I want that on my feed, but the majority of the crap that's on my feed, I'm like, "Mm." or like Chelsea Handler, like skiing with no top on. I want that on my feed. You know, like that makes me happy. (laughs) Is there a filter? Is there a a way we can filter and just see the people that make us happy and not the people? Yeah. I just mute people who are negative all the time. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a way that we can just filter out um, people that we don't want to, sorry. Well, we'll, if we want to know about you, we'll go find you, but the day-to-day stuff, maybe there's a way we can just see the people that we want to see in the restroom. But I don't even check it every day anymore. I check it. I check it when I need to put something up, but we did a great interview with Andrew Owsley um, from Unison Media, and he really taught us a lot about social media and how to filter it. And I, cause I was always told post every day, post every day, what it doesn't matter what it is, but post every day. And he said the exact opposite. If you don't have anything to talk about, don't put it up. And that's, you know, like, Hey, freedom. All of a sudden, yes. freedom. And you're not attached to that phone, you know, like going, but I did love how he, because this was, I mean, Tammy, you and I both were uh, managed by Damon while he was at Cami, and, um, and he was really big on, you got to get on here. You got to get on here. And I fought him for a long time because I said, I, you know, I, I need to be very real and I, I'm on a job and I'm miserable and I, or life, like what you're saying, you know, death of family. And I, I'd have nothing to talk about. Um, but I love that Andrew separated it because he was like, listen, it's still your you still have to show up for your job. And in a way, social media is an extension of your job because you, it, sh- it should be part of your job. And so you need to find a way, just like you show up for rehearsal and you show up for a show, you need to show up for this. And I thought, okay, then I can do that, but it still needs to be in a really real authentic way. And how can I figure that out? Yeah, there's, I, I didn't like parts of it that was like, okay, well, I'm putting out what, I believe singer Tammy is versus just being me. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Or like, what kind of, what kind of diva are you going to be on social media? You know, that kind of thing. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be fashion diva. I'm not going to be, you know, and there are, there's categories of, you know, divas out there. I found that interesting. You making those dresses. I thought that was really cool. Can we talk about that? You making your own clothes? Cause that's, that's super creative and that's super cool and cutting your own hair. Yeah. Oh. Here's the thing. So my mom grew up on a farm in Kansas and then my dad, their whole family were like construction and uh, contractors and stuff. So like my sister and I were raised very like, oh, you need something done? Go do it. Learn how to do it and then go do it. Um, so when I started working and you see like you go to Nordstrom's or whatever and be like, this dress is $3,000. And I was like, 
no, it isn't. Goodbye. Um, and I would go and like get a cheaper dress from David's bridal or whatever, you know, hundred dollar mm-hmm. dress. And then I would add sleeves to it because nobody makes sleeves on dresses. And I would add beading and, you know, alter things a bit. And I still do that now. Like um, on the Attila thing, I, I made the dress that I, I wore for that. And it's, it's just, A, it's something else I can do creatively. It's mm-hmm. just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's economical. Like to me, everything is like, thrift before whatever um so is that where all the carpentry skills came from like your amazing candy dispenser at halloween that was freaking amazing thank you can we picture that up we have to yeah yeah i'll I'll send you um pics of all the stuff um yeah so i did that halloween thing this year i made painted cutouts of um like a dog like a little fox and a squirrel with a christmas present um and I my mom's side everybody on the my mom's side was somehow artistic um like my aunt painted uh my uncle was a sculptor and then my cousin uh John he has runs a comic-con um all I want to know is if you've ridden in the Batmobile that's all I want to know I haven't I haven't yet I know no, tell, sorry, sorry, tell people about John because I fell, fell, fell down the rabbit hole of researching you and then I found that and then I really fell, fell down the rabbit hole because I was like, I love this dude. I have to know him. Okay, go ahead. Tell him. Yeah, so he, he's just, um, he's a normal like construction kind of painter by day mm-hmm. and um, he loves comics and so he and you know some of my cousins and friends of his they made a comic-con and um they he builds like he builds life-size job of the hut sets and um he's done so much really cool and i i got to help one summer i got to go one summer and help and was like up you know selling t-shirts and checking people in and all that kind of stuff and then i was like a runner for like the guest people who came okay. and uh, that year it was um, uh, Lando Calrissian from uh, Star Wars yeah. Williams. and then um, one of the original Catwomen, not, not um, Halle Berry. No, no, we're talking, we're talking fifties. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, original originals and then um like not michelle to meet the gal who played um what's her name obadon from supernatural one year and like so it was just really fun but he yeah he's a very very talented man and unbelievable anything unbelievable um can i just say if you ever do get to ride in that batmobile will you please video that and put that on social media immediately (laughs) i will (laughs) let's talk about you and mentorship and you you because you have um on facebook you have a group that kind of helps young singers and not just young singers i mean talking to all singers about you know, this form in this country and what do you guys do with this? And you really collectively brought a lot of people together and gathered a lot of information for a lot of singers. 
Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Like rules keep changing, laws keep changing. So um, sometimes you, you think you start as a singer and your manager is going to know, okay, well, you need this in this country, you need this. And sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. So you, you show up to a gig and they're like, where's your A1 form or whatever? And you're like, pardon? What? <laughs> what? Je squeeze me? Yeah. It's like, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things where you, people o- already accept you to know everything right when you get somewhere yeah. they don't think oh they don't deal with this every day on a daily basis like my job does mm-hmm. perhaps we should tell somebody so since nobody was doing that I decided yeah let's crowdsource professional working singers and then talk about that stuff and see who's experienced like when the pandemic happened um people were like can anybody get a visa in this city to go anywhere? Is anybody stuck? You know, like, who do I talk to? It was that stuff. Cause there's no rules. There's no, no one's looking out for self-employed people. So it's kind of that thing. So er, like late spring of last year, um, a group of singers um, came up with the idea to have like an actual mentorship program where people are paired up individually with um, a professional for like a year or two years, depending. And it's like people who are graduating and trying to get to young artists or in young artists and coming into the real world. Um, and so we started uh, our website for that and sign up for that. It's, it's kind of still early days because we're, we're all volunteer singers. So we're trying to, you know, be website, you know, savvy and, which hat do I have on today, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, which, can we just say, for all the singers who lost all of their jobs this year, every single one of them has been savvy in some way and can do many jobs because we're trained to do many jobs. And I just want to say, like, teach music in schools, y'all. Um, <laughs> yes, amen to that. Mm-hmm. Fabulous women doing it. Mm-hmm. so you're passionate about mentoring you're passionate about helping young singers you're passionate about teaching young singers as well now Mm -hmm. yeah I haven't done like I'll I'll do um some lessons but like I I don't like teaching on zoom because it's a false it's a false diagnosis and so I try I'll if somebody sings something or sends me a recording, I'll be like, oh, okay, you're doing this, this, and this. But I, I feel very wary still of trying to like teach, teach. Um, so it's more like a suggestion advice hour. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, when I was in school, I wanted to, I was in a doctoral candidacy and I was gonna be a professor, I was gonna be a teacher. Um, and then, the opera life just happened. Like I, I got an opportunity and then that snowballed. Um, but yeah, I, for a little bit, I taught the HGO um, high school artists. I, I taught half of that studio. I taught four kids and like, I would just go to those lessons and be so happy and so fulfilled after them. Like they never made me you know, like, I don't want to go, like, I was literally like, oh, this is so nice, and you, 
when you see other people figure stuff out for themselves and succeed, like all, all four, all three of them are in music. No, all four, all four of them are in music. Cool. And, um, it, it kind of just like one, one girl, I came back for Electra mm-hmm. and I was doing Chris Adamus and she was doing like one of the, um, not the maids, but the, the people who help, um, Clyde and Nestra. And like, she was on stage with me and it was like the coolest thing, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it teaches me to be a better singer too. Oh, totally. Because I can verbalize sometimes what I've never verbalized before. You know, you could just say, oh, that's how I do that. And, and uh, I don't know, but it, you're right. Good. And you light up when you talk about it. That's really great to see. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And like in high school, we had like a class where you get to be a teacher's aide at the elementary school for an hour and then come back to high school. And it was, I don't know. I just, I've always loved teaching and my mom was an educator. She was a teacher too. So it's like, I'm pretty sure that's just ingrained somehow. Um, that's and, good. Talent. It's a talent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Not oh, everybody God. can teach. And I find that sometimes the best singers are the worst teachers, you know? So you there, have there is something about natural talent mm-hmm. and knowing how it works for you, but not having the, it, again, it is diagnosed. You're a doctor of singing. Like mm-hmm. you literally go, your larynx is a little too high there. Cause you have to know what you're hearing to know what to fix. Yep. And it's not going to be perfect. You know, everything's an experiment, but you can at least put people on the right path. But yeah, you need the ears for it too. Not just the, I read a book that Caruso wrote about how to teach or singing. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. some, some big name singers, big time singers of the past, you know, they have a very specific technique that works just for them. Yeah. And to teach that kind of technique to, to other people, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. So bravo to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you guys ever worked with Deb Birnbaum? Yes. Oh, you did. I, she opened my eyes because I when she did like looking at how your torso is and saying, you know, you have this kind of build, so your lungs are gonna like, she, it was the first time it opened me up to, oh yeah, everybody's body is built differently. Everybody's throat is built differently. Yes. You can't have, yeah, yeah, exactly. I tell people like, um, if we're comparing like stuff that Sandra and I have done, I was like, Sandra has this really nice long face. I have this really round face. And when I try to open my mouth, like really wide, I like, I can't, I can't. she She gets this back space and this mouth space that is amazing and like, I cannot do that. Like I physically, it is impossible for me to do that. Um, I put a billiard ball in there before. Just gonna put that out there, folks. Yeah, I could not do that. <laughs> it's amazing. It is, yeah, her big old space. I learned when I went through vocal trauma in college that my natural anatomy, I had in my tongue, I have like a, uh, I don't know, a river or a divot or whatever. Mm-hmm there's a curve in it. And that I learned that if anybody ever tries to tell me to straighten out that tongue, you need to run out of that studio because your body naturally does that. And you need to have that in there to produce what you do. 
And so, um, and I just thought, okay, that's really super cool. But uh, there are some teachers that just think everybody's mouth and position and tongue and everything should all be the same. And that's just not the case. No, I mean, but look at, we have three completely different face shapes and three completely different mouths. Yeah. And any teacher that teaches the exact same technique to every person, run people. Run. Run. Or when they tell you, go sound like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Get the heck out of Dodge. Because I mean, look at, look at Carrie's face shape. Carrie has this beautiful little heart, heart face. I have a long, tall face. And Tammy has a wider face because she, you know, she's got that dramatic voice. And also that means that the vocal cords are going to be different with everybody too. Yep. And, you know, like you said, you can't open your mouth the same way. And Carrie doesn't open her mouth the same way. So you have to think more this way, right, Tammy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're more. I do with between the ears. Yeah, totally. Right. And I got to think long and lean. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, it's, it's interesting. And these are all things that you just learn. Yeah. From years and years and years of doing it. And <laughs> I had a girl in a master class doing once. I, I was like, can you relax your tongue on the front of your bottom teeth? And she was like, she was curling her tongue under, like, <gasps> and I was like, why are you curling your tongue under? Just, just let it relax. And she's like, oh, well, someone told me my tongue is too big for my mouth. <laughs> I was like, honey, you were born with that tongue in that mouth. Like, that's what it should be. You just have to find a natural resting place for it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, bless. Yeah. Hot damn mess people. And if it's not working for you, get out of the studio. And it also isn't always just one person. I mean, you're involved with that. That's the problem. Hello. I don't know. I think it takes a village. It always has with me. It's never just been one, one, one. I mean, it's several. And it takes, you know, to have your manager involved in it too. And, and let's talk about that. You were with Cammie, right? Yeah, we both were. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, was with, I was with Betsy Crittenden when I started. Okay. And then she retired. Right. And um, I had to pick between her and Damon because he was her assistant. Mm-hmm. And it felt like mom and dad were divorcing and because right. they both wanted me to come with them. And at, at a young age, I had to decide, well, do, do I want to keep a manager who has all of this amazing experience and know-how and really does care about me and care about my career. Right. Um, who, you know, she just had had hip surgery. She couldn't travel as much. Mm-hmm. I had to think about, well, I'm just starting. How long before we would have to part and make ways naturally? Right, right. And then I was like, do I want to leave a big company? Because in my head at the time, I was like, well, they're going to go to the big companies first, mm-hmm. find people. So... Yeah, there was a lot of like business decisions that had to be made at that time. And I stayed with Damon and, and then, you know, when I was in um, Verona, uh, he phoned me and was like, oh, and just so you hear it from me, I'm, I'm not going to be there anymore. And I was like, okay, fantastic. Wait, wait, wait. Is this Verona when all the shit exploded in Verona? Oh, okay. Good times. A whole black face, Aida. Mm-hmm. So that was exciting. And then, um, so I bet on top of all that else. And then 
uh, Nathan picked up the slack and I was like, I really like Nathan. Me too. And when Cammy folded, um, Nathan called and he was like, so Cammy is no more. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, and because it was like pandemic times, I, I literally, I laughed on the phone. I, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're joking. Like, That's about right. That makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm, totally. Yeah. I was like, let's just get all the bad stuff out of the way. Yep. And then he was like, you can go with someone else. And I, I had people, you know, or of course you did My God. go somewhere else. And I was like, you know what? When Nathan decided to be his own person, I was like, nope, I'm staying with Nathan because I trust him. Yeah. Okay. Which <laughs> is a big thing. Mm. Um, he is very proactive, but not in an asshole way, which is how I want to be represented as a person. Okay. I, don't, I don't like managers who are like, so cutthroat that they forget ethics right um and i'm not saying that's like how many are in general but like i know that that's not him so i was very comfortable uh staying with him and he's known me now for a few years and i didn't want to have to start another relationship got it you know and he knows your voice does he get your voice he does he does and he's comfortable saying no for me when I'm uncomfortable with something or if I say you know I don't feel that it's the right time he's like yeah I agree we'll 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 pass on this like so he's very you know it, it's a partnership and a manager like career thing mm -hmm. versus well you haven't been working now for eight or nine months you you need gigs you need gigs like I'm again because I saved all my money yeah. And I live in a small house in Texas. Like I've been okay. Gotcha. And I've actually saved money this year because freaking traveling around and paying for apartments everywhere is, oh my God, like I work and lose money. Yes. Yes. If I do three shows a year and I can stay home in between, I would make much more money, which is insane. It is totally you know, insane. I agree with it's that. It's not insane because oftentimes, because my husband is, is Carrie noses. He's the one really great with money like Carrie and like you. And he'll look at the job and say, okay, here's the fee. And this is what you're going to have to pay for the, the plane ticket because they only pay for economy. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going over to Europe, my butt, hopefully it'll be in business class. So the plane ticket, my husband's plane ticket, because we have to pay for that. The apartment or the hotel your manager fees which are 20 percent, right 15 or 20 percent. so then you have to look at it as a business taxes taxes yes and thank you taxes on top of it and if it's in europe it's taxes in canada and taxes in whichever country you're in yep. so you're looking at automatically 50 percent, if not more gone before you even get paid mm -hmm. And now they're lowering the fees because now they're lowering the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Sometimes you have to look at the job and go, it's not worth I'm it. I'm going to pay them money for the privilege of singing there. No, no. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. And I think a lot of young singers have to look at this now and say, is, is this wise? Is it good for my career? Is it worth making only $5? 
because a lot of people hear it. And I think this is going to be the new norm. We have to think through all of that. I would always say that your gig pays for your next stuff. You don't make money from it. You're always thinking ahead to what you have to pay for in the future. Right. Um, yeah, I would do the same. Like my dad, because he was a business guy, he he made sure when I first met a manager, I had a five to 10 year business plan written out mm-hmm. and I gave it to my manager and she was like, what are you? <laughs> yep. what, why are you? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I accomplished everything on that same one thing, you know, nice in my 10 years. So it works. Um, and then, yeah, when I first started out, when you look at your net profits, you might, from a gig, only net profit like $2,000. And it's like a huge fee. Yeah. You know? and, and a company will say, we're giving you all this money. Yep. We're giving you so much money. Like, and you're like, correct. But also other businesses, they don't have, they have a credit card where they're not paying for their flights. They have a company that's giving them benefits. Mm-hmm. We don't have benefits None. anywhere, like unless you're working in and living in Europe or, um, Canada. or Canada. Yeah, because or Canada. So no 401k, no health insurance, no life insurance, no travel insurance now too because it's a pandemic. And if God forbid something happens to you when you're traveling and you get COVID, mm-hmm. you have to get supplemental. At least as Canadians, we have to get supplemental insurance to travel now. Yeah. I mean, and those are expensive. I think that I was talking to a couple people the other day about this, that I think the new norm is going to be singers that are singing and also have a side hustle. Sorry. I mean, I just think it's going to, especially for youngers, I think, I think they're going to have to have both. They're going to have to have multiple skills. Yeah. Or they're going to have to sing more and rehearsal processes are just going to have to be Snip, snip. Because I mean, the the days of six to eight weeks of rehearsals for new production, those are gone. You know, and and I think we we were heading that direction anyway. But yeah, I think if if we had the amount of pre planning that movie movies do, we could definitely have less rehearsal, and it would cut into our bottom line. We wouldn't have to spend as much on your apartment at home, right? Or in traveling. now that we have all these Zoom meetings, right? why can't we have a production meeting that you include the people who are performing it? Thank you. Ding, 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 ding. Or even meet with the conductor then too and say, let's just all be on the same page, everybody. Because how many musicals do we go with and we go, oh, wait, that was cut? <laughs> oh, uh-huh. oh, or that's in or, oh, that's your tempo? Oh, yeah. And I mean, all of that, you can do yeah you know when i I did the um washington thing luckily i'm friends with the conductor like we we kind of came up together at hgo Mm -hmm. he we had a facetime and i I was basically like okay this measure this is how many clicks i need for this tempo this is what i've been averaging Mm -hmm. you know and we went through and he's like oh okay cool cool do you breathe in this phrase like and it takes a half hour you know Thank you. If you do, again, work smarter, not harder. Thank you. 
And it, the other thing is we have, we have to wait so many times for other people to come from places, right. which, you know, that's not singer's fault. No. We, we don't create schedules. <laughs> we just show up. Yeah. And, and I, I hate the attitude when you do come late and you're like, oh, like I had to give up um, a contract because the last show of something was going to overlap two days with two the days. beginning of rehearsals for a, like a four to six week period. Yep. Um, I yeah. got fired from one, even though the previous intendant had approved it, it just wasn't in writing. It was more like, you know, email back and forth. And then they fired me and they said, the new intendant said, no, you have to be here. And I was like, but they're doing the HD, like they're doing the recording. I can't not miss this performance. This is the recording, the radio recorded one or something. I could switch it if you did, but it wasn't my fault that this got, this date got changed to this. And they were like, yeah. Either you show up or you're fired. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Oh, heck yes. You know, cause there are how many people standing behind us right now that yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands. That's the other thing. Like when, when I'm mentoring singers, I always had people who would come to school and talk who are professional and they'd be like, you sing on these stages and you travel. It, it always felt like rainbows and happiness when people were talking about it. And I'm like, you are going to sacrifice parts of your life in order to do this. Yep. And I try to give everybody a realistic view of what our career actually is. Mm -hmm. yeah. For us, the sacrifice was community because we were never there long enough. Cause when Chris traveled with me, we were on the road for months at a time. So we didn't have friends where we lived, you know, and then now we've moved to Nashville, but then I was, when we first moved here, I was gone all the time. And then it was, and he worked. And so it, I, I really wanted to build a community where I had friends where I lived, not just, I have amazing friends all over the world, but I just need that. And that's huge. I mean, when you don't have, you can't call somebody and be like, Hey, come over and let's have some beers. I mean, You're how Pete. do you, Huh? Your peeps. Your peeps. I mean, how do you establish that when a you haven't lived in a city very long, or you've moved to that city and you're never there because you're on the road? I think that kind of sucks balls. Anyway, okay, just had to say that. <laughs> and I love seeing Carrie on Zoom, but it's not the same as her and I going out doing girly shopping. Ooh, going to the spa. Are we ever going to be able to do that again? Leah Crescetto and I went to a spa in DC, and I was like, this is the most like really amazing thing I've done in so long because <laughs> yeah you you don't really self-care for yourself when you're on the road mm -hmm. well, or during a pandemic yeah yeah I mean the last time I had a massage was over a year ago that is painful people because I love me a massage <laughs> oh no and I mean how many times did we wear dirty sweatpants I'm sorry right now I'm sitting in my exercise pants wait hold on with my Christmas socks on. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> the real Carrie. Right yeah. there, people. There it is. All right, rapid fire, rapid fire. Okay. What's the most beloved thing you own? Ooh, photos of my family. Best piece of advice you were ever given thus far? Listen to your body and take breaks when you need them. What is the greatest gift we can give one another? Kindness. 
love, love. Last thing you Googled. Um, Carrie Alchema, just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, okay, so last night I was watching YouTube and we were watching Irish people react to American bullfighting because that's my life. Um, <laughs> my neighbor, can I pop over? I, that's hilarious. Yeah, if, if we were in the same vicinity, we'd be, you know, hang out all the time. I I okay, wait, can I just say this? I, yes, because we have never hung out before, but I feel like I know you. Maybe, I don't know, through Damon, through whatever. Also, Marjorie Owens, this amazing female that I'm like, why don't, haven't we had a meal or a cocktail or something? Because I feel like it's like my spirit animal. Well, the panels never get to be around each other. Ever. Except if you're one cast and the other cast, you know, and, 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 and then you're just like, bitch. I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. A, I'm tired or bitch. Oh, I mean, no. Okay. Listen, I tried, I tried in Toronto. I had a whole thing, all the Sopranos let's come over. Let's, let's get it together. And then and it all never came together. <laughs> you were going to go to Ana Belena, weren't we? We were going to go to the Ana Belena bar. No, no, no. This was in Rusalka because oh, yeah. Marjorie was there. Um, Joyce was there. I mean, all these amazing women, you, you, I mean, all three of us were there. I thought, oh my God, all of us have to get together, but we're so swamped on jobs and so swamped with schedules that it just was like, how can this not happen? Sorry. All right. Sorry. Okay. okay. Fashion trend. You just never got. Oh, Django jeans. What is that? Oh my God. You remember the nineties? They were like the jeans that were like way oversized and looked like huge Clown. Like when people are on stilts, it looked like that. Yeah. Oh, they're called Django jeans. I think so. Yeah. I totally. I. I totally. I would have called them bell bottoms or flares or yeah. I guess, but these are even bigger than that. Good. Yeah. What is your no fail motivation song? Oh. <laughs> it's always this answer. Bitch, better have my money. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. I love you. Guilty pleasure. Um, I'm never guilty about my pleasures. That's the thing. You know who um, said that? that? Perrin Leach said the same Perrin thing. Perrin Leach said the same thing. <laughs> Maybe it's a Houston thing. <laughs> okay, then what is your greatest pleasure then? We won't say guilty pleasure, but greatest pleasure. What gives you the most pleasure right now? Going Besides. to Disney World. I'm a huge, it's, it's not really known. I don't really talk about it much, but I love going to Disney parks. It's one of my favorite things. And I save my money. Like anything I make is what I go do is I go to save for Disney vacations. Okay. Then I have several questions because I am a born and raised Floridian and there is only one Disney world. Thank you very much. True. Oh. So which one is your favorite and have you done the one in Paris? I haven't been to Paris yet, but I, you know, I like watch all of the stuff. Like I watch a lot of like people going to these things. Okay. Um, I love Disney World. I, I grew up in California a little bit. So Disneyland was my first foray into it, okay. but I was, I was little enough that it wasn't like, hoo-hoo, but fourth grade on we'd always go to Florida okay and uh, like when you just listen to the soundtrack when you walk in you just get goosebumps 
and you just feel that inner child of happiness and not being judged and everybody there has to be nice to you yes they do oh god it's it's clean it's beautifully clean okay but I have to say this the first time that I went to Disneyland in California and I walked into the park and I saw the castle I giggled because I was like that's tiny that is not the real thing people no it's in florida that's where it is it's just not as it's not as impressive as the one in florida and it's like I'm this california too and then oh, people in singapore are going ah, your one in florida is so stupid i know oh, oh my god yeah so, yeah i watch a lot of like people going to different amusement parks stuff on youtube and super mario world is open in japan now it's at universal and i think they're going to try to make it in universal in florida have you done Universal in Florida? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Harry Potter Land is it, it's a it's an experience. I want to go there. Oh, I love it so. See, that's why I want to retire so I can go to freaking Universal Studios in Florida. That's because we're going to the villages. Oh, Tammy, you are invited. You do not have children. So all of those of us singers that don't have children are all going to be the Golden Girls in the villages of Florida. Just FYI. Golden Girls, not the other one, right? What? What? The Golden Girls, not the other one. What's the other one? Not Delta Burke, not. Oh, designing women. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, no. Gold- I asked Carrie like which which Golden Girls, or she asked me which Golden Girl I was, and I was, or which one she was, and I was like Delta Burke. <laughs> I was like, girl, <laughs> go. You confused. <laughs> All right, Carrie, next one. Okay, uh, what movie would you watch on an endless loop? The Red Shoes. It's my favorite movie of all time. I've probably watched it at least 370 times. I have no joke. Do you have any secret talents? Hmm. I mean, like, other than woodworking and stuff, but like, I don't know. That's that's not a talent. I I do paint. I paint for fun. Cool. Abstract art. Love that. All right, Carrie. Favorite cuss word, any language. I love shysa. Yeah, it's a good one. It's really, it, it's got all the consonants <laughs> and you can yell it really well. Shysa, like it's just, it just works. Mm-hmm. It's got that ping to it, doesn't it? And you, it could still be heisa shysa too, you know? <laughs> oh my God, couldn't do that heisa shysa. That's my husband, I thought so when something's really big, we're like, that was heisa shysa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to steal that. <laughs> you can. Can I ask the last one, Carrie? Yeah, go for it. Go. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter through the pearly gates? You done good, kid. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> it was so lovely seeing you again. It's been way too long. Way too long. Way too long. I, I just hug you guys. <laughs> Zoom hugs. Zoom hugs. And we're like, we miss seeing everybody. I know this is like the next best thing. I mean, that's why we did it. I just miss talking to my people. I miss talking to my crazy, insane, beautiful artists, human beings. I missed it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Fingers crossed. We will all be back to work soon. And maybe in the same city. Hallelujah. And we will have a a cocktail of choice together and a spa day oh my gosh please i'm so looking forward to that i am too it's like it's like that's my new dream that's my new dream okay
I went yesterday to go to the the hair salon um, here in Paris because because I got some rude action going on, and I was like, "Can I can I make a hair appointment?" He said, "Well, you know, uh, I think we're going to go into lockdown tomorrow." And I'm like, "Of course," because yeah, the third wave is the day that I wanted to get my hair done. Nope, not for you. No, <laughs> it's for it's no blonde for you. There's a perfect moment to use. That was heisa shisa. That was hot shit. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our shenanigans. Thank you for having me. Yay. Well, take care of yourself, okay? You too. Stay right. Hope to see you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye.